Well, welcome back to you faithful, small, merry band of brothers and sisters. It's good to be back with you here at Sunday Mass. Uh, I've been waiting for this, and I'm sure you have even more so for the last 13 weeks. That was the last time we gathered here at St. Paul's on a Sunday in the Eucharist. And so it is a great joy to be back with you this morning. If the craziness of the coronavirus pandemic and then all of the stuff that's been going on after the death of George Floyd these last uh, couple weeks. This morning, as I was opening the church, the I don't know if you heard it, maybe Lee has already fixed it, but the alarm panel for the fire alarm in the front entranceway was blaring a shrill noise into the church as if the devil wanted to get one more barb in as we opened up the church. It's a reminder of the craziness of our times and frankly how at the end of the day we don't really have control. As much as we like to create the illusion of having control, we don't. And when we don't have control, we can react in a very strong way. I don't have control, so I need to do whatever I can to be in control. I need to act. I need to do something. And we all have this within us, right? We, we see a problem and we have to fix it. And we have to fix it now and we have to fix it in the best possible way. We dive straight into action. We see problems in our culture, we see problems in ourselves, and we think the only solution is to do and do and act and act. And it's good to do these things. It's good to act. We're not just simply passive recipients. We should be actively involved in our community, in our society, in our faith. We can also give in to the lie that I am only what I do or what I produce. That unless I'm doing something that leads to productivity or something greater or something newer, then somehow I'm less than or I'm not good at all. This is a lie. But in our culture, in our society, that's so based on what we produce and what we do, it can run rampant and it can start to influence our faith. We can start to see things and we can even start to see people as things, as items, as problems to be solved. But on this Feast of the Holy Trinity, we celebrate how God in His very self has revealed to us a mystery that is to be pondered and savored, not a problem that is to be solved. We can know that God is one in essence, three in persons, that there is unity and diversity within God Himself, that God's very nature has three, or has, is one, but then it is three persons. We're never going to understand that fully, this side of heaven. Try as we might, and we can get it wrong, but we're never going to get it perfectly right, this side of heaven. We're never going to quite get there. But we can look at God either as a problem to be solved or as a mystery to be pondered and savored. And we know that in our own faith journey, when we see God and our relationship with Him as something mysterious to be savored and enjoyed, that there's greater fruit in our activity. We also know this from our experience with other people. One of the great joys of priesthood is that you get invited into people's lives. And I love being invited into people's lives, especially those who have been married for a very, very long time. Because you could be having a mundane conversation and all of a sudden you stumble across a fight 
or an argument or a disagreement that's been going on for 30, 40, or 50 years. And yet these people are madly in love with each other. What's the deal? How does that make sense? And at some point in our relationships that are truly meaningful and fruitful, we recognize that instead of trying to solve the other person, instead of trying to make the other person better, that if I start to live in the enjoyment of the mystery of the other person, those things that drive me crazy or drove me crazy become beautiful, become things that make me love the person even more, even if we're squabbling over again and again and again. I know when I look at my own parents and the love that they have for each other, it's beautiful, but I know that about once every other week they're going to get into a fight over money. (laughs) And they're constantly doing that, yet they're in love with each other. And it emanates from them, even in the midst of their squabbles. And so too with our relationship with God. When we start to enter into that mystery, when we start to spend time not in trying to figure it out, but to just simply be with God, all of a sudden, our life and our world start to be more beautiful and more full of wonder and majesty and truth. And our path becomes clearer. Not because we've set out and solved a particular problem, but because we've allowed the gaze of God to rest upon us. And today as we celebrate this Feast of the Holy Trinity, which may seem totally beyond us, which may seem totally irrelevant when there are real problems in the world, we see as Christians that the first thing we must be is the Beloved. That for us to impact and to change the world, our society, our culture, even our very heart, it must stem from our identity as the beloved son, the beloved daughter of God. We have to first and foremost be someone before we can do something for someone. For God so loved the world, we heard in the gospel, that he gave his only son to be in relationship to invite us into that mystery of His very unity, of His very trinity. To know that we're never going to quite get it right. We're never going to quite be perfect. But to live in that mystery, to spend time sitting and gazing upon the face of God and letting Him gaze upon us, that something is going to change because of the power of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And when something changes within us and we go forth from that, something changes in the world. It's easy right now to get along with the people who share your political views or share your views on any number of things. Those aren't the people, frankly, that matter right now. It's the people who disagree with you or the people who may even hate you or you may hate them, let's be honest. It's about us having that conversion of heart to see them as God sees them. And the only way we can do that is to let God look upon us. To see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. To see that dynamism at work in our own heart. To fall in love and to be captivated by love and to take that into the world. A while ago I was talking with my little sister and I said, she asked me, I wrote her a little note and I said, you know, my life simply is this. It's just being open to being constantly captivated by love. Every plan I've made for myself has been squashed in my Dominican vocation. 
And yet, by constantly going to God and letting Him captivate me, letting He who is love, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, love me, somehow, someway, through that grace, it changes me. It opens me. I'm imperfect and far from good, frankly. But I know that love, and I hope that we all have that love so that we can change the world. In the second reading, St. Paul, from his letter to the Corinthians, says this. Brothers and sisters, rejoice. Mend your ways. Encourage one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. How do we get there? These are things that are perfectly apt for what we need in this world right now. Encouragement, mending of brokenness, agreement, peace. How do we get there? The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. God desires to change the world, but he first and foremost wants to change your heart. He wants you to be on fire with his love, to create change that will last, not only in your own life, but in your relationships, in your extended family and friends, in this world. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. In the first reading on Mount Sinai, the Israelites have just committed idolatry, and yet God loves them. Let's sit and take time this week to be in that love so that we can be love for the world. The love that is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The God that is one and three. The God who loves you, who created you in love, who holds you in being in love, and through that love desires to be with you forever in heaven. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. God so loves you that he gives you his very self.